Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. I'm Jill Murphy, Editor of Pharmaceutical Technology, and this week we'll be discussing formulation, specifically with culture media and bioprocessing. This conversation includes topics such as single-use technologies, automations for closed systems, and packaging media or cell and gene therapies. In this episode, I speak with Tom Fletcher, Director of Research and Development at Fujifilm Irvine Scientific, and Bob Newman, Chief Scientific Officer at Fujifilm Irvine Scientific. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Hi, everyone. This is Jill Murphy from the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today, I have two very special guests, Tom Fletcher, Director of Research and Development at Fujifilm Irvine Scientific, and Bob Newman, who is Chief Scientific Officer at Fujifilm Irvine Scientific, and Today we're going to be discussing formulation in terms of media formulation, cell culture media, and other things. How are you both doing today, Tom and Bob? Yeah, we're doing great. Thank you, Jill. Doing well. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. So one of you could start this. If you could just both give us and the listeners a quick background about yourselves and how you got to where you're at in your careers. Sure. Tom, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Yeah. So, um, well, so I've been involved in cell culture media development for many years, and that's both hands-on in the laboratory and then managing teams of people developing media. And for the most part, we're we're trying to optimize those culture media for the particular process that they're you know going to be used in. Um, you know, part of my experience in that uh, in, in that involvement has been developing rational methods for media development. So. Instead of just kind of the random methods of screening different formulas, we've learned that there's value in um, paying attention to the science of metabolism and trying to optimize the media to solve or to address specific needs for the process. That's both been satisfying in terms of what we learn as we go in that direction and as we get... um, you know, smarter and more uh, knowledgeable about how to optimize media for for new applications. So, you know, that's one reason I've stuck with it. It's been very interesting. I think more recently we've focused on specifically on the topic we're talking about today, and that is how to prepare the culture media for use, um, because there's also a lot of room for improvement in the media preparation methods. Um, so, I, I think I'll just leave it there. That's uh, been, I, I just covered several, you know, a few decades, I guess, of experience in terms of being involved in cell culture media. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Okay, thanks, Tom. So yeah, I've, I've been involved like Tom um, for, for many years in the area of bioprocessing. Um, and it, it really, from a career standpoint, it started uh, after I graduated from college, I took a, a, a master's in biotechnology program um, and really started uh, really, you know, falling in love with the the area of how you can apply science um, to developing 
you know, advanced therapies. And so from that master's program, I then went on, I got a PhD in uh, biochemistry and molecular biology. And then my first uh, job after my PhD was working for a, a cell therapy company that was developing mesenchymal stem cells for anti-inflammatory indications. And my initial job was really as a scientist developing potency assays for um, treatments such as graft-versus-host disease, which is a, a rare complication from bone marrow transplants and cord blood transplants. Um, and then from there, you know, really uh, started getting more into the bioprocessing space and expanding beyond just cell therapy and gene therapy and into the uh, the production of antibodies and growth factors and um, and really focused on this cell culture environment itself, which which involves cell culture media and um, in the vessels and the overall environment. So how you can optimize the growth of cells and uh, the production of certain types of proteins or the differentiation of cells into uh, therapeutic uh, agents for uh, regenerative medicine purposes or anti-inflammatory uh, purposes. So um, it's you know really been been a journey. Um, I've worked at a couple different places that have developed media formulations, um, and most recently here at uh, Fujifilm Irvine Scientific, um, where we have a few different businesses. One is in the the Cho cell uh, bioproduction space, another in cell and gene therapy. We also have a unique business uh, in in vitro fertilization or assisted reproductive technologies. And uh, also we do uh, have a business that is developing uh, recombinant growth factors and cytokines that get added to the media formulations for the purpose of bioproduction. So um, that's a little bit about our background and, and how um, I came here to Irvine Scientific and uh, really looking forward to talking a little bit more about this uh, this area. Wow, thank you both for sharing. You both have such exquisite backgrounds, so I'm really honored to have you both on today. I wanted to start off with Tom. If you could really tell us more about what are some of the current trends that you're seeing in terms of formulation for cell culture media? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we've seen over the years an evolution of the technology, you know, from serum supplemented media to serum free media to animal component free. And now we deal in the bioproduction space almost exclusively with, with what we call chemically defined. So only pure chemicals, no undefined components. And so although that's been, you know, great at reducing risk, it actually has created kind of a more fragile or a less forgiving culture environment. And so for that reason, you know, it's caused us to pay attention to things like impurity content of these, you know, chemically defined nutrients. It's also, I think, brought up this subject that I alluded to in, in the earlier question about, you know, understanding how to prepare media because there are there's a potential to have interactions, undesirable interactions and precipitation, and the list goes on and on. But there, there, I think forever there will be challenges with media development and um, media preparation. And one thing I'm, I'm actually very excited about is recent work we've done with single use technologies and automation so that we can create a, a closed system that's automated that will you know deliver sterile ready to use liquid culture media on demand. So that's actually kind of a preview of things to come. Uh, we haven't launched that technology yet. But we're we're quite excited to uh, the progress that we've made in in that particular area, and it's related. It goes along with this chemically defined media and kind of state of the art 
in terms of, uh, especially when you use the word formulation, the formulation of culture media. So that's that's a very exciting area. That is very exciting. And for Bob, I wanted to go off of what Tom said with some challenges. Have you specifically seen any major challenges in this area that you work on that you feel should be highlighted for our listeners? Yeah, Joel, I think so. Tom, you know, certainly highlighted a few of the, um, the these challenging areas. And I think, you know, this idea about um, uh, different chemical components and hydration schemes and how we can actually go about helping our, our, our customers so that they don't have as much to worry about when it comes to hydrating, uh, you know, media formulations or having problems with um, issues like precipitation or pH or osmotic balance. So um, these are really areas that we focus a lot on at Fujifilm Irvine Scientific. It is a challenge for the bioproduction customers. So these are some of the areas that we want to be able to, with our expertise, step in and, and help and provide solutions for the customers. And you know, there are, this is an evolving field. So now there are more, um, for example, perfusion processes, um, continuous culture processes, where there are different needs when it comes to the, the nutritional um, aspect of, of the cell culture and, you know, what's going on in these systems and get in being able to, you know, get rid of waste and how much of the nutrients should really be in, in the process itself. So these are, you know, with these evolving kind of processes, we are at the forefront of that really developing these cell culture media formulations. And oftentimes it's it's in the area of chemically defined, as Tom mentioned. So that's that is a big area. And then, you know, beyond that, some of the challenges that that are facing that we're facing right now comes down to things like uh packaging, right? So how media is actually packaged and how it is, you know, connected, for example, in cell and gene therapy um, to the um, the cell culture systems and through tubes and welding. And so the packaging itself becomes very critical. The different types of um, factors, for example, growth factors or cytokines, how are they added to these systems? Um, are those coming in a form that might be lyophilized or are they liquid formulations? How are they added to the to that system and how is the customer using um, those products? So those are some of the challenges that we certainly see. Um, I could go on with a few other like the um, the area of cryo uh, formulations is another challenge um, as well. So developing cryopreservation reagents. Um, there's a lot of uh, cell therapy customers, for example, now that um, are getting to the point or are at the point where they're treating patients in clinical trials. So when their product is frozen in a certain type of reagent, um, and then it's administered uh, to a patient, they have to be very careful about the safety and what's going in, even from an ancillary reagent standpoint. So developing products that um, are very safe, that the quality of the incoming raw materials is well understood, that we've done the analytical testing, we understand the purity, and that those, those components are then go into a final formulation that's extremely high quality. And then there's also the, the aspect of then taking that and having preclinical studies and clinical studies performed to demonstrate the safety as well. So uh, that's within the, you know, particularly within the cell and gene therapy space, a couple of the challenges there around cryo uh, preservation reagents. But this is something that that we do have a, a longstanding uh, history in and, and put a lot of time and effort into uh, developing high quality and safe uh, products. Absolutely. And I wanted to go off of what you said with raw materials and things like that for Tom. 
So are there any instances from like a supplier standpoint where you've seen, let's say, the raw materials or something else with cell culture media become an issue with the rest of the development? Well, right. That's a very timely question, especially um, because we've gone through this pandemic experience and that really put a spotlight on some of these um, supply chain issues and did create some very serious shortages in our industry. I think it's been in the news across the planet. But um, specifically, um, you know, it wasn't so much the nutrients that go in the culture media that were a problem. There were some that were an issue, but the packaging that Bob just brought up, I'm glad he, he brought up packaging because you've got to have a, you know, packaging, especially for the liquid media. And as it turned out, a lot of these um, bags, tubing, connectors, a lot of these single-use components were major sources of problems in our industry. Not, you know, I'm not talking so much about our own business as industry-wide. This has been a huge issue, so much so that we've had to focus again on the redundant supplies. So we typically qualify more than one supplier for critical components. That's our that's our way of minimizing this risk. But it's really highlighted the need for this across the industry and it's caused us to recognize you know, how, uh, what a great opportunity it is for us to explore the single use technology space. We've already begun working, as I mentioned, on some automated single use technologies, but it's sort of opened the door even wider and said, look, the single use supply chain is really at risk and we need, you know, more reliable solutions in this space. And so we, we see that as an opportunity not to just be kind of a me too source of the same things, but to develop innovative um, and superior solutions to these these critical materials. Um, so, so, yeah, it's kind of it's a, it's a big problem, but it's also can be seen as an opportunity, I think. And that's how we choose to see it. Of course, and that's a great way to look at it. And on the track of innovation, Bob, do you know of any innovations in the pipeline that you see can make a big difference in this area of the industry? Yeah, there's a, a number of different areas where there's uh, innovative approaches. Um, for example, in the in the gene therapy space in particular, you know, developing reagents that can be used for uh, transduction purposes. So um, in this case, you know, trying to uh, develop uh, cells that will produce uh, viruses, viruses that then can be used for gene therapy applications or developing, you know, introducing um, certain genes into cells for use in cell therapy or for, for vaccine production as well. Um, and having a system where you can actually have higher uh, titers of viruses that are produced um, and uh, where the payload within the capsid itself, you actually have um, an agent that or a, a virus that's being delivered is really an important area. So having development of different types of reagents and techniques that can really improve the transduction of these cells is an area of, of big focus right now. Um, so that's an area where there is innovation. And um, also, I guess, along the, those same lines, developing certain types of uh, stable cell lines that can be used for virus production as well um, is another area where there's been um, some innovation recently in the gene therapy um, space. And then, you know, as, as Tom was talking about this, this area of the raw materials um, it, itself, when we're talking about things like chemically defined components um, or growth factors, for example, that would be introduced into a formulation 
There are some innovative uh, approaches for developing uh, synthetic peptides, for example, that would be a part of a, of a, of a full-length protein um, that can be uh, made in a, in a chemical type of reaction that then um, are very ch are chemically defined. Uh, we understand, you know, exactly what's going into the formulation. There's there's not as much risk of any type of impurities, and those synthetic peptides can be uh, triggers for uh, different types of uh, growth factors signaling cascades uh, within the cells themselves. So that's another area in the raw material space. Um, I'd also like to mention just, uh, you know, you know, Tom had mentioned this, uh, the idea about these two different suppliers and having backup suppliers for your different, uh, you know, uh, raw materials. And this is a really critical concept. And I think, you know, when it comes to a different supplier, we really want to be able to pay attention to, is it exactly the same raw material? Is there some sort of a slight variation? Because slight variations in these chemical uh, compounds can have a really enormous impact on the final product itself. And so that kind of, you know, being able to have the analytical tools in place that can um, really verify that you have the right, uh, the right components, the right chemical compounds, um, and the right activity uh, through cell-based assays is, are other areas where there's some innovative type of approaches. So developing new cell-based assays with different types of readouts that can show that your, your raw materials or your final uh, media formulation is working effectively for the final phenotype of the cells. Um, and then I guess lastly, the in the area of the innovations, there's a lot of innovative work going on in the bioreactor space right now as well developing different types of bioreactor systems. Some of them have more of a focus on, on for example, oxygenation of the systems or um, kind of like that, that perfusion culture that I mentioned earlier. And so depending on what the final cell type is that's trying to be produced, having a bioreactor that can actually support that production process in combination with the media formulations um, and any potential types of supplements is an area of innovation um, as well. So several areas of innovation, it's just, a, depends a little bit on, on where these different markets are. The bioproduction space is a little bit more mature. Um, the, the cell and gene therapy space is still a growing industry. So they're still focusing on scale up and getting their processes in place, but lots of room for innovation across the board. Definitely. And with all of this that you have both shared today in our discussion, what do you both hope to see for the future of media formulation? Well, we've kind of been talking about a lot of uh, future ideas right now, but I think they kind of, they can be categorized probably in three main categories, and that's improving reliability, efficiency, or consistency. Those are all three very important things. And so that's what we focus on as we think of how can we improve, you know, culture media technology. And so we're looking at improving, you know, those types of things. And so I mentioned a little, little bit earlier how we're applying automation and single-use technologies to, to achieve that. And basically, through the automation, we're able to reduce risk. We're able to reduce capital requirements. We're able to still improve the agility and change over time. So when you, know, when you change from producing one uh, pharmaceutical product to another, that change over time can be a critical part of efficiency. And so... Thanks to you know some of these single-use technologies and some of this automation, we've found ways to just minimize that to almost nothing. You can just change over and keep going with a different molecule, a different product. So those are some ideas. Also, I, I would have to mention 
in silico tools like predictive modeling of bioprocesses. That's something that we're very interested in. And I expect that the future is going to only lead to more ways to um, use computer tools, including, you know, this hot button topic of artificial intelligence. I mean, that's going to be part of it. And so we're, you know, we're very involved in that. We're looking forward to being able to apply those tools in ways that achieve those three things, reliability, efficiency, and consistency. So I think that's, you know, really bright things to come in the future. We're making good progress on those. Yeah, I, I would second what, what Tom says there too. I'm glad that he brought up the, this topic of automation and and there are so many areas within the cell culture manufacturing process itself that that um, are currently automated, and we're looking to bring even further automation. And um, at the the back end of this, um, the automation around like the hydration of media formulations is something that's um, extremely useful to to our customers. Um, but then even you know at the earlier stage, very early stage, when it comes to selecting a media formulation that would work well in a process, um, when Tom talks about the um, this artificial intelligence and in silico approach, um, it really is the the future of of media development. We think this is a, an excellent tool that can be utilized um, where we can take different inputs from from things like um, metabolomics. Um, you know, proteomics and, uh, you know, in ge genomics and, and all, all, several of the different omics and, and by analyzing spent media uh, and what's actually being, what's going on in the culture and taking those inputs and then applying them to a type of algorithm that then can predict a media formulation that would work best for a certain cell type um, for our customers. This is a way that we're really um, utilizing to speed up the the product development process and the custom media development process so that we can get to a solution faster. Um, speed is really an important part um, for our customers to be able to have speed in there uh, to, to find solutions um, for their processes. And so um, we, we've been adopting some different types of technologies here in the area of AI and in silico media development uh, that really are 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 showing very promising results. So this is a great, you know, uh, future futuristic uh, type of approach and, and we already have some very you know early stage results that are showing a good promise so um, I think that that's that's really important and then you know the some of the things that that we've also been working on from a future perspective are around when it comes to certain supplements like growth factors and cytokines which is a big part of our business having very stable, you know, solutions that those growth factors are contained in. And, and depending on whether that becomes an a lyophilized solution or a stable liquid formulation, but being able to have that, um, those, those components be stable. And especially when they're introduced into the media formulations in a packaging configuration, such as a bag that would be very, you know, useful for our customers. Uh, these are areas that, that we're spending time on um, to develop better products for the future. All this is so exciting, and I want to thank you both, Tom and Bob, again for joining me today. This was such an informative discussion. All right. Thank you, Jill. Thanks, Jill. Thank you to our editors and experts for sharing their insights. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. 
If you want to stay in touch with the pharmaceutical technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars and hear about episodes of Drug Digest. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast.